morning. Welcome to church. So glad to be together. Worship team, thank you so much for leading us into the presence of the Lord. So good. So good. Well, the Lord is here and he's active and he's got, he's moving in our lives. He's moving in our community. He's got a word this morning. As you can see on the screen, we're starting a brand new series called Build a Wall. Man, we're, such, we're in such a special moment in our church's history. As Eric was sharing during announcements, um, we've just got a couple more Sundays here in this building. You know, hopefully next Sunday is our last Sunday here. Um, and there's just significance in that in chapter turns, right? There's significance in transitions. And so just soaking up, being present in this moment of, wow, God, you've done so much in this season here, but with the expectancy in our heart of what he's doing in the next season. Um, you know, we've been a church for a little over, you know, five and a half years, and, you know, we've been a, what do you call it, a um, nomad church of sorts. Um, I was actually thinking about it as we were driving to church today. We're all, we've been uh, watching the Chosen series with the kids, and, um, you know, it shows how Jesus dwelt in tents, and he was a nomad of sorts as well, too. And I remember in church history, you know, so we were at Scranton for a couple of years, set up in Teardown, and then COVID hit, and we were online for seven months without a church home to meet in. And I remember during that time being like, God, don't you care? that we're without a home. And then I was like looking in scripture and it's like, oh yeah, like this is how your people are sometimes. Nomads without a home, but you're still moving, you're still working. So it's felt that way a lot. Alive is God's church, but we've been nomads a bit. You know, you guys might feel some security in this building. We've been in this building for the last two and a half years. Um, and you might feel like this is a really secure place, but it really hasn't been. <laughs> Really, for our whole time here, we've been on a month-to-month -month lease in this building. We didn't really publicly announce that because we wanted you guys to feel secure, but we weren't. <laughs> um, we were on a month-to-month -month lease really for our whole time here, um, except for the first six months. We had a six-month lease, and then it turned month-to-month -month after that with a one-month grace period. Um, and the, the building was listed for sale, and there was many times over the last couple of years that Eric and I would come in, and the staff would come into office, and then we'd get an alert that a showing was coming, so we'd have to leave, and oh, Lord, don't have them buy it, because where would we go to have church if we get kicked out? And many a staff meeting where we're like, well, we're always able to plan two months in advance, but not much after that. So guys, once we hit the two month until Easter mark, we can plan for Easter. And so this place hasn't been super secure, but man, we're so grateful, so thankful um, that God has given us land to be deeply planted in this community, never again to be uprooted, you know. God's so faithful. He's building something in and through us that is going to impact generations throughout Livingston County, and Amos 915 has been our anthem really this last year, where God says, I will firmly plant them there in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land that I have given them, says the Lord, your God. What a promise with the expectation that we have of after being nomads of sorts for five and a half years, God's planting us in land, never again to be uprooted, to reach our community for Christ for generations to come. So today we're, or we're um, starting a new series called Build a Wall. Um, and someone was joking with me in the lobby, like, oh, it's because we're waiting for the LED wall, right? Because we need to build the wall 
<laughs> that is true. We will have to build it when it comes. But, um, but build a wall. This is a series of messages that's been burning on my heart for a while now, and it just seems appropriate. It feels like right now is the now time to share this message. This phrase, build a wall, comes from scriptures in the book of Nehemiah that really were the, the calling verse for alive to even start. It was, it, within it holds really the central purpose of God even starting alive, initiate, you know, conceiving alive six years ago. You know, last year around this time, we did a series called um, Kingdom or Bust, and then we did a series called Kingdom Builders, where we talked about a couple of those messages. We talked about Israel, um, Israel's time in Babylon and them coming out of Babylon to rebuild the temple, and we hit on some of that stuff a little bit. Er, Pastor Eric did a message, Arise and Build, where they built the wall with their um, sword and their hammer. Um, so Elias Calling Verses come out of that same time period in Nehemiah where the Jews were in exile in Babylon and they were being called back to rebuild the wall, to reestablish home um, in Jerusalem. Um, and so many of you, I'm not going to share the whole story, but many of you know in January of 2017 is really when God really made it clear that Alive was supposed to be planted in Livingston County. And during the month of January 2017, it was a um, high emphasis of prayer and fasting to really discern, God, is this really what you're calling us to do along with our pastors? And it was just made so abundantly clear that Alive is his dream, his vision. And so January 2017, and really the whole year of 2017, as the church was starting, church launched in September of 17, um, the book of Nehemiah was really a blueprint of the steps that God had ordered for alive. And so for at least the next three Sundays, until we get to grand opening, again, we got to be flexible. We don't know the exact date of grand opening yet. We're going to just study the book of Nehemiah a bit and, and zoom in on this phrase of building a wall. And what does that mean specifically? It's one of the verses God used to call alive into existence, and it has such um, it has such importance on our calling, our purpose as a church. And it just seems right to remind ourselves as of our purpose as a church before we launch into this new season. So for those of you that aren't familiar, the book of Nehemiah charts um, the story of Nehemiah, who left Babylon to come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That's kind of the first half of Nehemiah. And then the second half of Nehemiah is once the walls are rebuilt, the priest Ezra opens up the word, and there's revival in the land, and there's a great turning of hearts to the Lord. Today we're going to hang out mostly in Nehemiah chapters 1 through 2, but then um, kind of take a look at the whole book throughout the next couple of Sundays. But let's open up in prayer, and then we'll continue. Lord, we love you so much. God, we thank you for your sweet presence in the room. God, we thank you for what you're doing in among us. God, we thank you for this moment in our church's history. God, we thank you for the land that you're deeply planting us in to reach generations to come. And God, we thank you for your call to start alive. Lord, your vision to build a wall. And Lord, stir something new in our heart this morning. Lord, unify us in a fresh way. Lord, um, give us inertia and passion towards this call that you have for us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So I'm going to walk you guys through the first couple chapters of Nehemiah for a little bit here, and then we're going to talk about what does this mean to build a wall. So Nehemiah 1, we see Nehemiah is a Jew who's in captivity in Babylon, but he's actually really prospered in his time in Babylon. He's a high official in, um, in the king's court. He's, a, he's what's called a cupbearer for the king. So he has really close relationship with the king of Persia, the king of Babylon, and um, He's, he's living, he's got some nice stuff in his life. He's doing well. And um, so he's in this position, and s- some Jews come back from Jerusalem. At this point, there was already a wave of Jews that had gone back to Jerusalem, and some of them came back to give a report of what was happening in Jerusalem. And you see in Nehemiah 1, 2 through 3, it says, I, Nehemiah, asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. He's like, hey, how's it going over there? And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the providence are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard this, Nehemiah says, when Nehemiah heard these words, he said, I sat down and I wept, and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So here's Nehemiah living in luxury in the king's palace having all the conveniences that he can dream of, but he hears of his hometown being in shambles. He hears of his brothers and sisters being in distress in Jerusalem, and his heart is deeply grieved. He has deep compassion, and he has a deep um, longing for it not to be that way for them. You know, this posture of Nehemiah's heart towards his hometown has, has been Eric and I's hearts towards our hometown. It's the culture of this church, that as a church collectively, we have this heart towards people in our community who are broken and in distress and, and lost. This heart posture towards those who are far from the Lord. As a church, our hearts mourn and grieve the loss. Our hearts want those who are without a personal relationship with Jesus to come into relationship with him. So uh, Nehemiah is grieved by this, and then we pick up in in Nehemiah 2, and he's serving the king as the cupbearer, and it says this, Nehemiah 2, 2 through 5, Therefore the king said to me, why, said to Nehemiah, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow, um, this is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I, Nehemiah said, became dreadfully afraid, and I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? And so I prayed, you can see this fear of God in Nehemiah. So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I might rebuild it. So we see here Nehemiah's compassion led to action. He didn't have to do this. He was very comfortable in Babylon. He had every luxury at his tip and and a very nice place to live, and Jerusalem was in ruins, and it was not a good place to, to be at the time, but his heart was so burdened that his compassion led to action, and he said, we must go rebuild. King, would I have favor in your sight to go? 
And so um, from this place, Nehemiah went with a small group of men to spy out for himself with his own eyes what was happening in Jerusalem. And we pick that up at the end of Nehemiah 2 and 17 through 18. Then I, Nehemiah, said to them, you see this great distress that we're in. They saw the wall, they saw Jerusalem, and they're back talking, and we get a glimpse into their conversation. He says, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Nehemiah says, come, let us build a wall, build the wall of Jerusalem, that, there, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which has been good upon me, and also of the king's words, which he has spoken to me. And so they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to this good work. We'll continue the story more in the coming weeks. Let us rise up and build. Let us build a wall. Nehemiah and the men with him had such a heart for their hometown that they left the conveniences and the comfort of Babylon to get dirty in this non-glorious job of rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. So foundational to the call of this church is this concept of building a wall. And it's not building a wall of division. You'll understand what I'm talking about. We're not talking about us and them and building a wall in a divisive way. Our call to build a wall. For Nehemiah, it was rebuilding a physical wall. Because back in those days, if a, if a city did not have a strong wall surrounding the city, the city was not safe. The city was vulnerable to attacks, and it was, a, it was almost like, um, what do you call it? It was inevitable that the city would be destroyed if the walls were in ruins. And so Nehemiah felt this strong call from the Lord to rebuild the walls for the security, for the safety of the town, that the enemy, the destruction could not come in from the outside. So God could do what he wanted to do with inside the walls of the city. And so in the natural, going to show this slide, in the natural, the purpose of a wall is to protect and to save people from destruction. That was the purpose of Nehemiah rebuilding this wall. It was for protection and prosperity and safety of the city of Jerusalem. I want you to just see, sometimes it helps to have a visual. Go and show some of these pictures of a wall in ruins. You can see it'd be easy to climb up that pile of rocks and get into the city. Go and show this next one. I'm sure there were images like this in Jerusalem where the wall was totally gone. It's like, what is the purpose of a wall if there's a big breach or a big gaping hole like this in the wall? And so Nehemiah sees the city of Jerusalem and the walls look similar to this. And they're in ruins, they're destroyed, they have breaches or gaps in them. And Nehemiah's like, we must rebuild, we must bring safety, security to the city. Remember the story of Jericho. Jericho had large fortified walls, and historians say that Jericho's walls were so wide that chariots could race across the top of it. And God told the Israelites that that city was theirs and told them to walk around the city and shout, and the walls of Jericho came down. And as soon as the walls of Jericho came down, game over. Israel won because the strength of the wall was so important to the safety and the prosperity of the city. Um, so what in the world does this have to do with Alive? Is Alive is Alive called to be a construction company? Like, let's go fix some, fix up some homes. It might feel like that lately on Monday nights, but that's not our call. Um, but Alive is called a, a huge part of our calling. The, the scripture that conceived Alive is here. What we just read this morning. 
to rebuild the spiritual walls of the city, to protect and to save people for eternity. The rest, for the rest of our time together, we're going to talk about this phrase, build a wall, because we see it here in the natural. The story of Nehemiah is talking about a very natural wall. But you see this illustration of building a wall spiritually all throughout Scripture. And so we're, for the rest of our time this morning, we're going to just camp out on what does it mean? We have a visual of what it meant for Nehemiah to rebuild the wall physically, practically, naturally. Um, but what does that mean spiritually? Like, what does that mean for a church to have a calling to build a wall? We see in Proverbs 18.10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. A strong tower would be like a watchtower around a strong wall. You can't have a, a strong tower without a strong wall. And the scripture is saying God is our strong tower. And when we come to him, we are safe. As we build a wall, we are providing a place of spiritual safety for people to be with the Lord. In Nehemiah's days, it was the attacks. How, do, how does a wall become like those images we just saw? It was from the attacks of their enemies that would set it ablaze in fire or tear it down. Um, it was the attacks of the enemies in the natural that destroyed the walls of Jerusalem. And in the same way, spiritually, it's the attacks of the enemy on a city or on a person's life that produces breaches or holes in the wall. It's sin that can damage or destroy the strength of a city's spiritual walls or of an individual's spiritual walls. So for the next little bit of time together, I just want to take a look at a couple of scriptures and have three thoughts from scripture on what does it mean for us as a live family church to be a church that builds a wall. Number one thought is this, God is looking for people who will build a wall. God is looking for people who will build a wall. We see this in Ezekiel 22, 29 through 30. It says, the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, mistreated the poor and needy. They have wrongly oppressed the stranger. And so God says, and because of all of these sins, God says, and so because of all of that, I sought. I was looking for a man. I was looking for a woman or person among them who would make a wall. He's not talking about constructing a wall physically. And to stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. So here we see this phrase, make a wall, build a wall, but it's not talking about Nehemiah, how he was. A lot of times Old Testament scriptures are types and shadows of something spiritual. So this scripture and many others that we're going to read is talking about Spiritually, God is asking us to build a wall. And so God is saying, hey, this city's walls have been destroyed. There's gaps in the wall. Why? Because of sin. Because they're not caring for the needy, because they're oppressing people, because they're stealing. They're not running in the direction of God. They're running away from the direction of God and his ways. And so there's gaps. There's breaches in the wall. They are not safe. These people are not safe within these walls because of these sins that have tore down and created holes, gaps, breaches in the walls. And so God sees these people that are running from him. God sees these people that are living wildly and not living in a way that creates protection for their life. And God does not want destruction for these people with broken walls. 
And so God is saying, so I was looking for someone who would stand in the gap. You think of those images that we just saw. God was saying, there's gaps all over the place. These walls are in ruins. And because of that, destruction is imminent. The enemy can come through the wall. And so I was looking for someone who would stand in the gap because I don't want these people destroyed. I was looking. This scripture doesn't end well. We'll go to another one in a little bit that ends better. And he didn't find anyone. You know, God doesn't need to need us. But he chooses to need us. We've talked about this a lot lately, right? He has chosen. Oh, take away that one. You, got, you guys got to peek at my next point. Um, God doesn't need to need us. But he chooses to need us. In him giving us freedom, he gives up some of his sovereignty because he gives us free will. And he has chosen, he doesn't need to co-labor with us. He doesn't need to need us, but he wants to need us. He wants to give us freedom. He wants us to partner with him on his mission on this world to save, seek and save those which are lost, those which are perishing, those which are on the path to destruction. And so because God set the world up in that way, he needs us. He needed someone to stand in the gap. And no one did. And so what he did not want to happen, happened. The destruction of these people. You guys tracking with me? No one was found who was willing to stand in the gap, to make a wall. And so the people were destroyed. That's heavy stuff. Our obedience in prayer, our obedience to stand in the gap, makes a difference in other people's lives. So you might be wondering, okay, how practically do we build a wall? How practically do we stand in the gap? And there's two main ways. The one main way is prayer. And I know this message might sound a little familiar to what we talked about in January, but guys, I can't shake it. And I think God is really trying to get something to us on the power of prayer. The main way when God is mentioning these stand in the gap, make a wall scriptures, he's talking about prayer. Would someone intercede on behalf of these people, stand in the gap in prayer so that they would be protected and destruction would not come? The second way that we can build a wall, stand in the gap, is through invitation. We'll talk about that next week. But we're talking about people in our world, our personal world, faces that we can picture, names that we can see that have walls that are destroyed. We're talking about coworkers, we're talking about neighbors, we're talking about family members, we're talking about friends, we're talking about people that we graduated high school with, we're talking about people that we graduated college with, we're talking about people that we sit in the stands with, we're talking about people that we have hobbies with, that we go golfing with, or we're in the knitting class with, or whatever it is. We're talking about real people that are in our life that we're not exactly sure maybe their spiritual condition. Or maybe we're well aware that they have rejected God or they're far from him or they're running from him. And God is saying, I'm looking to see if you might stand in the gap for these people. I'm looking to see, would anybody be moved with compassion to wake up a little early and pray for these people? Church, back in January, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting. We did the uh, prayer list challenge. Let's not stop praying for those people. 
Let's not stop praying for these people that are in hard places, that are far from the Lord. Church, are we being faithful to stand in the gap? Our calling as a church is to build a wall, to stand in the gap. Are we being faithful to do that in prayer, to stand in the gap, to intercede, to pray for those whose walls are destroyed and that uh, destruction is inevitable? Do we care enough? You know, prayer does really work. It really works. And I just want to share a couple of testimonies from the prayer list challenge. You know, Eric and I have a long list of people that we've been praying for, people in the community that are far from the Lord that we are deeply, deeply love, deeply have compassion for. We're standing in the gap in prayer for them. Um, and what is it? It's the first Sunday of March, so it's only been a month since this prayer list challenge. And so both of us, we didn't, we didn't like come into agreement on our list. We just happen to have the same people on our heart that were on both many of our, on our list. And so anyways, two families from our list, both that were very cold towards the gospel and towards church a year ago. We've been praying for them diligently for a while, but really focused prayer in January. All of a sudden, in the month of February, both of them on different occasions came up to us and all of a sudden, like as if overnight, became warm to God into the gospel. Overnight, both of them initiated a conversation to say, man, we really want to get our family to church. Man, as soon as you guys open up over at that new building, we need to get there. We really need God in our life, and our kids are asking for God to be in our life. Amen. And then this morning, this morning I was talking with an Alive team member, and she was like, man, we really need to find a way for people to share their testimonies from 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, the Prayerless Challenge, because God's moving so much. And she shared a testimony with me about someone that was on her Prayerless Challenge, that it was a couple, Christian couple, that were on the path to divorce. They had started to make plans to separate, to be divorced, and she was so burdened to stand in the gap that destruction would not come to their home. Stand in the gap and pray for them. And she said, they didn't know I was praying for them, but she just found out that they're back together. They're restoring their marriage. Things are going in a different direction. Makes a difference. When we stand in the gap, we have people in our life that were like, I don't want destruction to happen to them. And I care about them so much that I'm actually going to do something about it. I'm actually going to commit to pray for them. I'm actually going to wake up early and sacrifice some sleep to pray that God would move in their life. Amen? Number two thought about building a wall. Building a wall takes courage and selflessness. We see this in Ezekiel 13, 3 through 5. Um, scripture says, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like foxes. That's not a compliment. In the deserts, you have not gone up to the gaps or the breaches to build a wall. And he's not mad that the prophets aren't building a physical wall. He's talking about a spiritual wall here again. Your prophets have not gone up into the gaps, the breaches in the wall, and we have that visual of those images, for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. And this is so powerful and such strong language from the Lord. He's saying, woe is Israel because of your false or foolish prophets. Um, he's addressing people that 
walk the walk and talk the talk, but it's not from their heart. They look really spiritual. They say all the right stuff. They do all the right stuff, but they're like foxes. Foxes don't have good, like look up, do a study of foxes in the scripture. It's not good. Like, we want to be bold like lions and not foxes. You know, um, think it's Song of Solomon. It's little foxes that spoil the vine. Jesus referred to one of the Pharisees as a fox. Because foxes just, they're um, known for creating destruction. They're known for rummaging and roaming and being crafty, but not actually doing something. Foxes aren't known in scripture as being courageous or selfless or bold in, in good ways. And, and God's saying, don't be like these foxes, these foolish prophets that claim to be really spiritual and do all the spiritual stuff, but they don't have the courage to actually go to the gap and actually do something about it. They're rummaging around the debris at the, at the base of the wall. They're talking about how bad the world is, but they're not actually doing something about it. It takes courage. You know, I was reading some commentaries on this scripture, and numerous of them talk about God's calling out the lack of courage of God's people. You're doing all this fancy religious stuff, but you're not actually getting to work. You're not actually interceding for the lost. You're not actually loving people well. You're not actually standing in the gap. And the way, you know, we've talked about this before, the way that we do this is not politically. God is not telling us to go stand in the gap politically and make a political stance so that the nation gets rebuilt or that the wall of culture gets rebuilt. God's not saying to do this in a political way. God's not saying to go post a bunch of stuff on social media about how bad the world is and gossip about the way that the lost live. That's not how we build the gap. That's not how we stand in the gap. He's saying, would you just pray? Would you just love these people and be so compelled for their safety that you get on your knees and actually believe that prayer works? Amen? We stand in the gap by having our hearts pierced for those who have broken walls. We stand in the gap by sacrificing time to pray for them because we believe that prayer actually works. We stand in the gap by putting our heart out on the line, by putting hope in the fact that God can do a miracle in their life. We stand in the gap and build a wall by grieving as the Holy Spirit grieves over the pain and the destruction in people's lives. And we plead God in prayer for him to move mightily in their life. Man, we've been going long-winded lately, haven't we? I need to giddy up. I'm going to go kind of quick through these next couple of scriptures. We see Moses did this. Psalm 106, 23. Therefore he, God, said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach. Moses did what the other scripture didn't do. Moses said, these people are not in a good place, so I am going to courageously stand in the gap, in the breach, in prayer. I'm going to intercede on behalf of them, plead mercy on behalf of them. And what is this? Put the scripture up one more time. To turn away his wrath, lest he destroyed them. And it made a difference. It changed the course of history. We see another scripture later on in Psalm 106, a man by the name of Phineas. The scripture says, Phineas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped. Phineas was a man of God that saw corruption in, in, among God's people. He stood up to it, and because of it, the plague that was happening among them stopped. It takes courage. It takes selflessness to say, you know what? I'm going to stand in the gap in prayer. I'm not going to just, I'm going to have compassion on the wall that's broken. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to close with this. 
Number three, we leave a generational legacy when we build a wall. Love this scripture. You know, this was one of the scriptures that God used as a calling verse for alive, and I had forgotten until I was studying, and I saw it, and I almost wept. Like, God, I forgot this one too. Isaiah 58, 12. Prophetic. Now I'll speak it over alive. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach or of the gap, builder of the wall, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Alive, this is us building old waste places, families that come into our community that used to shine, but they've gone through a hard place and their family feels like a waste place now because of so much that they've gone through. No, we're providing a space in a community, in a place of love for those old waste places to be rebuilt in Christ. Alive, this is us who raise up the foundation of many generations. Those of you who serve in kids and in youth, those of you who lead crews that's discipling young parents, changing the course of history as we raise up the foundation of this next generation. Alive, this is us, the repairers of the breach. We're the courageous soldiers that run towards the gap, not away from it. We're the ones that stand in the gap when no one else will. We're not gossiping about the lost in our community. We're getting on our knees for them. We are the ones that cry out to the Lord on behalf of the perishing. We are the ones who love deeply and will not let that gap remain in our lifetime, on our watch. This is us, the restorers of the streets, as we pray, as we serve, as we link arms together to reach this city and rebuild the walls, history will change. The history of Livingston County families will change as all of us collectively say, you know what, I'm going to stop gossiping about this person. I'm going to stop complaining about this person. I'm going to start praying for them. I'm going to start believing that God would do a mighty work in their life, a restorer of the breach, a builder of the walls. As we do this collectively, the history in Livingston County will change. Church, will you be the one that God is looking for? Will Alive be the church that he's looking for, for someone to stand in the gap and make a wall? Church, will we be courageous and not like those foxes that rummage around in the ruins? Will we be bold like lions and courageous like lions to run to the problem in prayer? Church, will we use our life to leave a generational legacy? Will we serve in kids and in youth? Will we intercede for the lost? Will we use our time talent and treasure to advance the kingdom of God and build his church. I know we will. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. God, we get to. We get to partner with you to be those who restore the breach, who build the wall, stir, light a fire within us collectively to stand in the gap to make a wall in prayer. God, thank you for the answered prayers that are happening and that are to come, the restoration of families and individuals, the salvation that is to come because we chose to stand in the gap. God, we thank you for that now. We thank you that you have faces and burdens and people on our heart right now. Lord, we commit to praying for them faithfully. 
In Jesus' name, amen. With all eyes closed.